Well, good morning again, everybody, and happy Easter to you. Hey, let's try that again. Happy Easter to you. You know, a lot of churches call it uh, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, they do that because today uh, it marks the day of the resurrection of the one that we call the Son of God. And you know, that, that's a significant day for us in many ways, but primarily because what we celebrate today is the basis for our entire belief as a Christ follower, that the very God who created us loved us so much that he sent his son into our world so that we could spend eternity with him. And so today we celebrate that, that God provided a way, that he provided salvation, that he provided a savior in his son Jesus. So once again, happy Easter. We're so glad that you guys are with us today as we celebrate. There's a number of reasons why I love Easter, but one of them might, be, uh, might catch you by surprise, and, and that is this. I love the crazy signs that churches put outside on Easter week. How many of you guys, you like looking at those? You check those out. Maybe you drive by one all the time, or maybe you, you, you go after it. You actually look online to find some of the craziest stuff. Um, when my wife and I lived in Springfield, Missouri for a number of years, there was a church that we drove by every day. It was kind of right at the corner of our subdivision, and we just, um, let me say, I was laughing with them, not at them, right? You've heard that phrase. It's a number of crazy things, but I, I saw one this week that uh, was pretty appropriate for Easter. It said, uh, to all of our Christian friends, happy Easter. To all of our Jewish friends, happy Passover. To all of our atheist friends, good luck. Hey, this morning I want to take you on uh, just a bit of a journey, and it's really a look back at something significant that happened in the past that affects every one of our futures. See, more than 3,500 years ago, God made four promises that continue to stand for his people today. Now, the Bible is filled with promises, but I want to take some time to just focus on these four significant ones. You could even call them the, the core four that our Creator made to us. They were first mentioned by God in one of the earliest books of the Bible, the book of Exodus. And these promises were repeated throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along, and Jesus shows up, and he starts talking about these promises as well. And throughout the New Testament, you continually hear these four things that God wants to do in the lives of his people. The other day I was telling my teenage daughter what I'd be speaking on uh, this morning, and I told her I was talking about God being a, a promise maker. And she said, you know, Dad, God, God's a promise maker, but so are politicians, except God keeps his promises. And listen, she was right. It's important for you to know that God is not only a promise maker, but he is a keeper of his promises. In fact, Scripture says in Joshua 21 that not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel ever failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. In the book of Hebrews, you'll see with me in chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, it says that when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. And God cannot break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is unchangeable. And that word is significant 
unchangeable. Because I want to tell you today, I just kind of want to dangle this proverbial carrot in front of you today, that God has an unchangeable offer on the table for you right now as his people. And whether you realize it or not, it's the thing that your spirit has been longing for ever since you were born. And that's a pretty big claim, isn't it? That's a significant claim, but these, these are big promises. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about these four core promises that God made to mankind. They're four things that God has always wanted to do in our lives. He first revealed these back in the Moses story. And you'll remember how God used Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, they celebrated these promises every year in an event called Passover. That's what the Jewish people will call it. The Christian version of that is Easter. It's where we remember the promises of God, why God came and what he wants to do in people's lives. But the Jewish will commemorate this with four cups of wine. Each one of these four promises, they read it, they talk about it, and then they celebrate it with a cup of wine. And so these original promises of God, they've been in existence for 3,500 years. They were revealed in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And Moses, he's just come back from the burning bush where God had called him to be the one to deliver his people from Egyptian captivity. And so he goes to speak to Pharaoh, and he tells Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. But Pharaoh is not at all interested in this idea of letting the nation of Israel go free. In fact, out of anger, Scripture tells us that Pharaoh increased the work burden on the Israelites. He made life more difficult. And it's in this moment that God made these four promises to his people. Four promises. Jewish people call them the four I wills. So let's jump in and look at these together. You can read along with me on the screen or in your bulletin notes this morning. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It starts out by saying, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. See, the first thing that God says is, I will bring you out. God is saying in this moment, I'm really not interested in changing you yet. I'm not interested in you praying a lot or going to church or even being nice to people. That comes later, and it's important stuff. But the first thing that I want to do is I just want to get you out of your current situation. I want to get you out of this bondage that you're in. That condition that they were in, Scripture calls it, a yoke. They were under something heavy and burdensome, and that was, it was bondage. It was slavery, and God says, I just want to get you out of there. They call this the, the cup of sanctification, and it's the first promise of God, and it's the one that we're going to talk about today. We're going to come back to this and look at this promise, but the second promise that God made is, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now, you might say, I thought he already did that. I thought he already brought them out of slavery. Yes, he got them out of bondage. He got them out of Egypt, but now he needs to get the bondage out of them. He needs to get Egypt out of them. So let me give you uh, today's version. Somebody who's a Christian, and they're going to heaven, but they still have issues. They have habits or addictions or anger, something that they struggle with. 
And God says, I've saved you, but now I want to set you free. Jewish people call this the cup of deliverance. And that's what we're going to talk about next week when we come back. The promise that God made to set you free. You don't have to live with those issues. That's a promise from the Lord. You don't have to live that way. God has promised to set you free. Then the third promise that God made says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. His promise is, I will redeem you. I will put you back to your original intent to restore your identity, to restore your purpose. And this is called the cup of redemption. There are scores of people in the world today who have no true identity or purpose. And we're going to cover that in about two weeks. And then the fourth promise, the final promise, the final I will, God said, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will take you to myself. You will be a part of the body. You'll be a part of the team. You'll be a part of the family. I will give you belonging. There are millions of people in this world today that are looking for belonging. They want to belong somewhere. They want to belong with someone. And God says, I will make you my own. Your identity starts to come forward and you fulfill your purpose. Jewish people call this the cup of praise because they have now become what they were created to be. They're fulfilling this purpose in their life. So I really want you to see the progression here. There are the four I wills that we just talked about. There's the cup of sanctification. There's the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. But to put it in our words today, God is saying, I will save you. I'll bring you out from your bad situation. I will free you. I'll set you free. I'll get you freedom in your life. I will restore you and get you back to the original purpose, and I will fulfill you. You will see that purpose fulfilled in your life. These are the four core promises that God has made that he has on the table for each one of us. And so what I want to do today is I want to circle back around to that very first promise. And let's go back to that verse, that very first part of Exodus chapter 6 where it says, I will bring you out. I will bring you out. See, the first thing that God wants to do before you even discover your purpose is he's saying, I have got to free you from the yoke. I've got to set you free from this current situation that you're in, the burden that you carry. And so if you look back at this original story where these promises came out of, the story of the Israelites and the Egyptians, the Israelites had begun to increase so quickly in Egypt, and they had begun to, to gain so much influence that Pharaoh became afraid of them gaining power. And so he put them under bondage. He put them under a yoke, he made them slaves. And there were three decrees that Pharaoh made regarding the Israelites. The first one was that he forced them to make bricks. 
Now, the reality about slavery is that you're not just a slave to another person. In fact, slavery happens any time that you are submitted to a dominating influence. That means that you could be a slave to habits. You could be a slave to bitterness. You could be a slave to addictions. It it tells you how to live your life. In fact, you could say it this way, this yoke makes you feel enslaved. This yoke makes you feel enslaved. Jesus said it this way. He said, anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life, and in fact, he is a slave. That's John chapter 8, verse 34. You're trapped, and you're a slave to it. See, a lot of people think that salvation is for people who just want to go to church more. Listen, salvation is for those who want out from under this yoke of slavery. It's for people who say, I don't want to live like that anymore. The second decree that Pharaoh made was the murder of all the Israelites' newborn sons. The Bible and many other history books tell us that because of the Israelites' fast multiplication, let me, let me not fast math, <laughs> But they increased in numbers so quickly, fast multiplication. Because of it, Pharaoh had all the baby boys killed because he was trying to stop their increase and he was trying to stop and reduce and diminish their potential. Now, this created an obvious sorrow and an absence in their lives. And you could say it this way, this yoke makes you feel empty. It takes all meaning and life away it takes all purpose and potential and it strips it away this yoke makes you feel empty the third thing that pharaoh did after these first two was he began requiring the israelites to gather their own straw so when they went to the mud pits in the morning to start making the bricks No longer was the straw provided for them. They had to go out and get the straw. But here's the kind of thing. Maybe you have faced this type of situation in your work. You have to work harder now in order to produce the same amount of bricks. And Pharaoh was trying to wear them out. He was trying to exhaust them. And I'm convinced that's how the devil still works today. The enemy constantly tries to wear you out. He tries to get you so busy, and he tries to steal your rest and your peace. And you could say it this way, that this yoke makes you feel exhausted. So here's the deal. If you feel enslaved, or if you feel empty, or if you feel exhausted, you're a candidate for this first promise that God made. God just wants to get you out of that situation. That's good news. You may say, what does all this have to do with Easter? Well, it has everything to do with Easter. See, Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, life to the fullest, abundant life. See, Jesus has this offer of life for you. It's more than you could ever imagine. It is called abundant life. It's a full life. And this offer reaches back to this very first promise that God made his people in the book of Exodus. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Is, it's kind of a long verse, but this is a powerful one. It's out of the message, and I'd like to read it with you today. It says this. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life. Now listen, that's what we're celebrating today, that someone who was dead came back to life And that is what he is offering you now. You can be brought out of this dead life, Scripture says. This resurrected life of Jesus that we celebrate today is also possible within you. I'm going to say that one more time. This resurrected life of Jesus that we celebrate today that we have gathered together to celebrate and to sing about and to glorify this resurrected life of Jesus is possible within you. That's the offer that he has for you, and it's the first promise that God made back in the book of Exodus. I just want to bring you out. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to become more religious. I'm offering you the promise of salvation Saving you from your current situation. Listen, I can't imagine anybody who would enjoy slavery or who would enjoy exhaustion or enjoy the sense of loss or emptiness. And scripture says there's a new life that's available to you, a life that brings you out of the old and into the new. So each Easter, you hear a story. You hear a story of a man whose life was resurrected, and his name was Jesus. And he took on the burden and the bondage of our old life, and he took it to the cross, and then he took it to the grave. Listen, he brought your bondage, he brought your yoke to the grave, and he left it there. I'll say that again. I got a couple of amens. He brought your bondage. He brought your sin. He brought your yoke to the grave, and he left it there. Now, he didn't stay there. There's another amen. He didn't stay there. He rose from the dead, but he left your bondage and your sin in the grave. And by doing that, he gave you an opportunity to say yes to this promise that God has made you, the promise of salvation, a new life. So give me a few minutes to close this message today with two questions. The first question is, how did we get there? How did we get under a yoke in the first place? Well, the reality is that we've all found ourselves in that position. We found ourselves in a place that we didn't want to be. And Scripture identifies how that that sin came on us with the fall of man. And all of a sudden now, that, that's the world that we're born into. But, but rather than spending a bunch of time trying to figure out how you got there, the better question, the better question is, how do we get out? You see, there's a path out. Amen. There's a path out, and it is called salvation. I think that a lot of people don't really understand what salvation is. Many think it's the day that they joined a church or they started reading the Bible more, 
or they started quoting scripture. Those things are wonderful things to do, but that's not salvation. The Bible gives us three things that you can do to experience this first promise that God offers. And the first is, if God wants you out, you have got to make the move with him. If God wants to get you out from underneath that yoke, you've got to make the move with him. There are steps to take, and the biblical word for this is repent. Now listen, the Bible identifies this word simply as changing direction and heading a different way. For some of you, it's time to make that move with God. Here's what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, here's the second thing that you need to know. There's always something that you're probably going to have to let go of. I had to face this in my own life, and in years of ministry, I've encountered this numerous times with other people. We generally have something destructive in our life that we're going to have to let go of. A destructive habit, whatever the case, a destructive tendency or destructive personality even. The Christian word for this is surrender. Listen, guys, Egypt is not that good. Let those things go. Let those things go. The Bible says it this way. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat anymore. I am. Follow me, and I'll show you how. That's Mark chapter 8, verse 34. The last part is that it's not enough to just stop doing something, but you need to commit your life to something else. You've been committed to something, but it's time to to change your allegiances. And the Bible talks about this as in a relationship with God. It's time to start a relationship with God. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now... Here's the change here. You, you used to do this, but now you are committing your life to something else. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Here's what's so great about this whole thing. You used to be in bondage. You used to have a yoke, but now you are willingly submitted to something by choice. Not forced, but willingly giving your life to him. That is called a relationship. It's a choice that you make. And this morning, I want to invite you to begin that relationship. If you're here today and in your heart, you know that you have not made this commitment or that you've never followed through with it, I invite you to do that today. In fact, if you would take a moment right now with every eye closed, head bowed across this whole Uh, worship center today this is a holy moment between you and God so with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed if you're here and you want to make that commitment you want to take God up on this first promise of him just getting you out of your current situation 
I'm going to ask that you simply slip your hand up to the Lord right now. Just let him know your desire in your heart. Would you do that? Just lift your hand to the Lord right now. If that's you, I want to invite you also to just pray this prayer with me. You can say, God, I'm so glad that you have loved me even in times when I've been very difficult to love. I thank you for the promise that you made to save me, to get me out of the old life and and into a new one. And today, Lord, I, I ask that your promise would be fulfilled in me. Jesus, I thank you for taking my bondage and sin to the grave, and I thank you for bringing me a brand new life. And today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and become the Lord of my life from this day forward. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to ask you to do something just very quickly before you leave today. On the back of the connection card that's in your bulletin, there's a box that says yes. It says yes, I made a decision to follow Christ. And I just want to ask you if you would do me a big favor today. Do this church a big favor. If you would take that and you would check that box at the end of our service in just a few minutes, we're going to have some prayer teams up here. And they're going to be here to be able to pray over any of the needs represented here today. But I'd like to ask you to take that card up to them Leave it with them, and they would love to be able to pray for you today. We want to be able to support you during this exciting time in your life as well. And if, if, if um, another option for you with that card is as you leave today, you could also drop it at the Welcome Center. There's a basket at the Welcome Center where you can just drop it on your way out today. But I want to ask you guys just to congratulate those who made that commitment today. It's a significant day, and congratulations. Hey, listen, we have one more thing that we'd like to do together before we leave this morning. And that is to celebrate some of what we talked about today. Sharing the bread and the cup that began with this Passover celebration that we mentioned. Now today it has a new meaning for us in that Jesus became the fulfillment of these promises that God made. He is our salvation He is our freedom. He is our restoration. And he is our fulfillment. And we celebrate that today with communion. And I'd like to ask you to just bow your heads one more time with me. And I'd I'd like to pray as we prepare for communion this morning. Lord, uh, once again, we thank you for your promises. But more importantly, God, we thank you for the fulfillment of your promises. You have kept them all, and we say thank you, Lord. This morning, God, as we celebrate the day that your son Jesus rose from the grave to bring us new life, we pause right now to remember the sacrifice that he made for our sake. And so, Jesus, we honor you. We celebrate you, and we commit ourselves to you once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things and all God's people said, amen.